turn me up, hey. New year, first episode. Hello, it has been a while since we last talked. I did not record any episodes for January because I was organizing, planning, and managing my life. I was getting my bearings, y'all. I mean, quite literally. I am back for spring semester classes and had to get situated, which took some time and is still taking some time. There are many changes that have occurred in such a small amount of time, such as my professors. It gets really tricky when your professors from the fall semester are not like the ones for the spring. If you know, you know. Some people, I mean professors, insist on teaching indirect lessons, figuratively and literally, that make it challenging to know what's expected of you. I digress. Anyway, it's only February, Happy Black History Month, and all I have to say is, time is simply a concept. This spring semester has felt like time has sped up and slowed down simultaneously. More so, time has blurred my own sense of imagination and hope. What I mean is, when the days bleed and meld into one another, it can be hard to focus on your goals and tasks you originally had. So I've been forced to refocus and reimagine which is a lot harder doing than saying, okay? In this new year of the cold tradition though, I hope you can refocus and reimagine your goals because time is truly a concept and you're in more control than you think. At least that's what I'm telling myself. I'm telling myself that when the seasons change, professors change and time change, I am capable of conquering the obstacles that come with them. I am capable of taking my time despite time's effort to speed up. I can refocus, I can reimagine. With that long spill, I hope you enjoy this new episode as my next guest explains reimagination through the world of artistry and literature. I am collecting Memphians like infinity stones on this podcast. We have another Memphian in the house, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> How are you? I am doing well. Um, I'm thankful all of the above. Um, also glad it's Friday as always. <laughs> of course. We're always glad it's Friday. So for the people that don't know you, tell us all the details about you. Who are you? What is Kevin Guar? What do you do? You know, all of that jazz. Yes. So I am Jasmine. Um, I'm Jasmine Settles. I'm the owner of Cafe Noir. Um, I kind of nurtured this little baby for about, um, I guess I'll say maybe three plus years because um Kevin Noir was in my mind I was conceptualizing it for a while um before like taking a step and so I just wanted to see a space I'd envisioned a space where folk could come and get a great cup of coffee um and get a book by a BIPOC author um at the time I was in graduate school and I was learning about all of these amazing authors that I'd never heard and I felt like someone had did a disservice to me by not introducing these authors to me sooner so I said okay I'm gonna create Cafe Noir and so for like the past three years that is like 
been my my mission of pushing, uh, creating, and developing Cafe Noir. Um, outside of that, I'm a mom. Uh, I'm a fiance. I um, I'm hey. a writer. <laughs> I'm a writer. I also work with um, a few nonprofits that focus on uh, youth development, uh, creative writing, things of that nature. Um, I'm a lover of film, right? Particularly Black rom-coms. I love Black (laughs) rom-coms. You're speaking my language. Yes. Uh, What else? I mean... Yeah, I mean, I have a golden doodle, like, just. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we, as you have just mentioned, you have a bookshop, right? You've been kind of cultivating this. I'm truly interested in how you start a bookshop. Like, what does that process even look like? What has it been like? Yeah, uh, it's been interesting. Um, I would say, like, the bookseller life is a non-traditionally black industry like this isn't you don't you don't have like um an overabundance of black folk in this industry uh for I'm pretty sure uh specific reasons right um but it's been interesting being black and being a woman because I think at times it gives me an advantage but often I'm, I'm finding myself like maneuvering through spaces and like having to do like this this extra extensive amount of of research and and you know pushing to get the information that I need or I'm trying to find um I think at first I was like this is insane what am I doing (laughs) uh but I I can say it's been a beautiful journey because I've had a lot of black women along the way kind of like help guide me, help give me insight, um, um, encourage me, right? Um, a lot of Black women that are in the book selling industry um, really, really helped me out like in the beginning. And I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for them. And so I think that made it a little bit easier. I think that gave me a little bit of a push and an advantage. Um, and then to just being an entrepreneur is a very wild space to be in. Um, I doing doing everything on your own. It's a little insane. It's insanity. I will say it sure. is not for the weak. Uh, okay, it is not, it you is are not. a soldier. Look at you <laughs> <laughs> because. <laughs> entrepreneurship is not for the weak and once again black women coming to the win just doing just doing what they do best support yes Yes. (laughs) always always um and and even like starting out it was uh a a black woman my one of my professors who like introduced me to these authors and I was like what right um So yeah, yeah. Shout out to Black women, always and forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, why books? I know you are a writer, but have you always liked reading? I grew up being a reader. Um, my grandmother introduced me to literature at a very young age, um, which I'm forever thankful for. Um, 
and I always understood the importance of reading. Um, I wasn't the best reader. I wasn't the strongest reader. I wasn't the best at like comprehension, things like that, but I always understood the importance of it. I always knew how I felt after I'd read something. Um, I always enjoyed like the world building that I got from reading. Um, and so I think for me, it was kind of like a, a, a nurturing of, of love in a way reading does. Um, you know, being gifted that from my grandmother, um, which kind of grew into my own love of writing, right? Um, and then I learned as I got older, like, oh, for me to be a better writer, I have to read. Um, the best of the best, you know, they're, they're readers first. Yeah. So, and, and, and two, I felt like why not share this love with, you know, other folk who look like me and feel the way that I feel uh, about about books. And sometimes they don't even know they feel this way until they get the right book in front of them. They get the right person to introduce it to them. Um, and yeah, I would love to be the catalyst for that. Right. <laughs> oh, I love it because I think books, they really do spark imagination they inspire, they encourage, they hope, you know, they, they educate, yeah. like you, you get into, when you find what you like, you, you, there's something for everyone in books, you know exactly. what I mean, and I, like you said, I don't think people really are, especially kids, they're not yeah. being encouraged to like, hey, you know, you don't have to just read about history, you know, right, there's fictional right. history, there's historical different periods and times and there's rom-coms and yes. you know it's all <laughs> kinds of things historical fiction one of my faves so exactly yes yeah, so I I read that you were involved in the arts mm -hmm. at a younger age spoken word come on snap snaps yes theater <laughs> how did these creative arts grow you you know how did they help cultivate your passions now that, that is a great question. And I love the way you formatted that because that is exactly what they did. Um, like I said, it was, it was like a nurturing love that happened, but it was growth essentially. Um, I can remember my first time acting on stage. I have a, I have a grave fear of live things and like being in front of people. Um, I, I do have a fear there. But I can remember being on stage and how empowered you feel to know or just to have confidence in your abilities and capabilities. Um, and, you know, just existing, one of the main components you have to have is confidence. I swear to God, you can get whatever done if you just have like that inkling of confidence. Um, the first show I ever did was by August Wilson, you know, who he dropped out of school, but he talks about becoming a writer and, and being a reader, right? Um, I think having these different outlets or creative outlets ultimately go back to me doing something that at first was really difficult, you know, comprehending and reading. So I, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it was a great tool for my growth, for sure, for sure. I love that. 
I think the arts do a, a great, great job. While not, you know, funded, particularly in a lot of schools, they do a great, uh, they are they are a catalyst for a lot of different students who find a lot of great things in their lives and find their exactly. passions. Exactly. And I think yeah. another important thing that um, the arts do is they give us this ability to reimagine, right? Uh, a word I like to use often is reimagine because um, it it forces you to question your current circumstances. Like, okay, why mm. is this this way, right? Um, what if I imagined it to be this way? Okay, so now that I do imagine it to be this way, what are the steps that I could take you know, to get to this point, uh, to get from from A to Z, right? What 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 are some things that I could do personally, or maybe there's someone else who's already doing these things, and I too can help them, right? So I think reading in particular, but but also just arts in general, they give us this this ability, and and they kind of um, give us tools in our toolbox to help us to reimagine. Um, you don't know what you don't know until you realize, oh, I didn't know that, right? So, um, so yeah, arts and, you know, it being underfunded is, is vital to our communities because we see how stagnant things are and how stagnant things happen, especially in the education system. Um, and, and incorporating those things back into the schools and, and putting emphasis and importance on them ultimately help the future of for generations to come yeah agreed I mean reimagine is the perfect word yeah oh, I love it <laughs> reimagine is if there the, was like a little rainbow the, above me I would just put like yes reimagine, <laughs> reimagine literally because that is the perfect word to explain that now while we can go on and on about books we also yeah. live in a very digital era Right. right. And so there are a lot, a lot of people in my generation yeah. who don't read physical copies of books because mm -hmm. everything is available online. So how does Cafe Noir appeal to a younger audience and yeah. what age demographic do you think your shop attracts the most? Yeah. So I think um, as far as I see like us online, it, it's mainly from like a I'd say maybe 23 on up age range. Um, we obviously being on social media gives us a little bit more leverage because we are pushing to a, mu a much younger crowd, um, specifically like TikTok and things like that. But I think, um, I think giving folk the option allows for more interaction to happen. If the mm -hmm. option isn't there to walk into a bookstore and be curious, right? Then there's, you know, there, there, there. That's already taken, taken away. Um, I think just implanting the option builds the curiosity, which builds the interest. Um, which you can't say what comes from that, but oftentimes, you know. You, 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 you've read a book, right? You know how you feel after and you're like, okay, I'm hungry for the next one, right? Uh, so I, I think just incorporating that option, just like we were talking about with the schools being resources, having that as an option in the school, right? As, as a resource. 
Um, and, I, and I think that's what our community wants to see more of. I think Memphis wants to see more options. Definitely, definitely <laughs> more options and more, more options that give you options of LGBTQ plus um, yeah. access, more BIPOC access, right? More Black exactly. authors, because a lot exactly. of that is not happening in our schools. Yep. And a lot, of, a lot of people aren't being educated on the power of Black um, artistry through books in yep. their school systems, you know? Um, and like, for example, Ron DeSantis, Florida mm-hmm. governor, he's ensuring that cultural erasure keeps young people from reading diversified literature. So mm-hmm. what words of encouragement would you have to say to those who are experiencing a loss of cultural literature in their communities? Yeah, um, I, I think I would first say, um, first I would say if it's banned, read it, right? It's, it's banned for a reason, mm-hmm. read it. Um, and then secondly, I would say there, there are spaces in your community. There are people in your community um, Black folk in particular have been doing the work of preserving themselves and their works. BIPOC folk have been doing this work uh, for years, right? This isn't the first time our works or histories have been erased, right? Um, I mean, you you think of the education system. I can think of the education system I've come from, right? I, this isn't the first time, you know, uh, Black folk were maybe described as um, indentured servants, right? We, we know that's a lie. They were enslaved persons, you know? So that erasure of history is not uncommon. Um, but, I, but I think what is more particular now is because we do have access to um, the internet. We do have access to, to various resources. So I think creating third spaces that aren't technically government funded to be able to highlight marginalized voices, highlight the things that are being erased, the histories that are being erased is quite vital and quite important for the next generations. But they have always been there and we will always be here. Oh, I love your answer. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> So it's so great. Um, So I know you are so passionate about amplifying diverse Black literature. If anyone follows you, which they should, okay, go follow Cafe Noir on Instagram. Thank you very much. Cafe Noir. Thank you for the plug. (laughs) Right. Then they would know that you ride so hard for your business, right? I've been following you for a while and you ride hard for your business. And (laughs) I must say it's very honorable and admirable because being a Black entrepreneur comes with its its challenges, you know? So what keeps you advocating for you and your business? Yeah, yeah. Um, First of all, thank you for rocking with us from the beginning. I appreciate it. (laughs) Listen, Black Bookshop, I'm there, okay? Yes. Um, So I think one of of my motivations is that point of erasure and reimagining. Um, and I think too, like I, I have a, I have a two-year-old son. Um, I want him to be able to go into spaces and feel comfortable and feel seen. Um, 
I, I, if he chooses to grow up to be a writer, right? I want him to know that there were spaces where your work can be honored, can be praised, um, and can be highlighted. Um, and I, and I think we, we live in Memphis, uh, uh, when it's like 60 plus percent majority of our community are BIPOC. <laughs> so why wouldn't we have a space that caters to, to those and reflect, you know, our community? Um, so yeah, I feel like I forgot the question, but <laughs> oh, but yeah. you know, you're you're answering it what what keeps you advocating for you and your business you are yeah um that that I I don't want our histories to be erased and I and I think so much of it is, is gets lost in politics and curriculum um but but no we we deserve spaces too we deserve just like the next person um you know Barnes and Noble can celebrate us in February but March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, like where, where do we, where do we have to exist at that point, right, and I don't want us to have to bring portions of ourselves to, to spaces, I want us to be able to bring our whole, uh, full selves, so, yeah, yeah, that's, dope. that's definitely one of my points of advocacy, dope. <laughs> super dope, <laughs> yeah, portions, not portions, but our full selves, I love yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Now, so I, I wanna... perfect. like we cannot be a singular expression of ourselves so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if so we don't want it thank you we don't want much. yes we don't <laughs> want it now personally as an entrepreneur just like you know um kind of separating you from the business mm-hmm. what is that mental and emotional aspect of advocating for your business um it's it's exhausting I will admit um I've run into quite a few people who tell me that black people don't read um and I think that's probably like one of the most overwhelming like (laughs) exhausting feelings um because one it shows that um even if they didn't read you now identify them as if they shouldn't as well because they don't deserve a space to go and do so, right? Um, and I think it to it, I mean, it, it couples with, you know, dealing with a system and structure where I have to be the advocate for Cafe Noir. I, you know, I, I get people who come along and they're like, you know, we need this, we need this, we need this. Right, but having to go into spaces and be like, hey, I'd love to partner with you guys. I'd, I'd love to have this for our space and X, Y, and Z. Um, I have to be that advocating voice because I believe in what this can offer for our community. Um, but but I can't say it gets it gets exhausting at times uh, doing so. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping to have an assistant here within the next <laughs> few months or so. Uh, just because it does get it does get exhausting and sometimes I'm just not able to uh, be in multiple spaces at once or uh, respond back to that email quick enough uh, because of it but but I, I truly honestly believe in what Cafe Noir can offer to the future of Memphis right 
I and I love that. I love what you're contributing to Memphis because we need more bookshops that are offering Black authors, yeah. Black diverse literature, because it does allow people to reimagine, especially Black kids to exactly. reimagine themselves from whatever space or environment that they've been that they've succumbed to or exactly. been told that they are supposed to stay in yep so you're dope just wanted to let <laughs> you know that okay thank you thank you I received thank you <laughs> now as an also as an entrepreneur I love to ask this question to entrepreneurs what is one of the biggest lessons you've learned mm. Wow. Or two or three. <laughs> Honey, you could take it. <laughs> at least 10 ran through my mind at once. Um I think maybe the the biggest thing, I think probably the biggest thing that I've learned and probably the the thing that I take the heart to most is that not everybody is gonna see your vision the way you see it. I don't care how much you explain it. I don't care, you know, how how pretty you make your Canva presentations. Uh, you know, you you can do all of that and they still not see the vision. And that's okay. Um, it's not for them to see, but it is for you to show, right? It is for you to show them the vision. Um, and I think that's something that, I have dealt with because I hold Cafe Noir so close and dear to my heart, you know, um, you know, even if they don't see it now, they will, right, Um, you know, and, and and you want to cultivate a space where they want to see it, right? They want to see it. Um, they want to see it successful. They want to see it uh, bloom and grow and blossom. And so, um, believe in, believe in, in, in the vision of, of what you have. And I think that goes for, you know, any, any, any persons or entrepreneur, artist, writer, um, staying on track with your path and what you see your end goal as and it might change throughout the process but as long as you have that core value on what it is that you're creating you're developing and you envision you you have to believe in it such great words (laughs) from jasmine yes it's that's amazing because i think a lot of people are going to take that and they're going to run with that because there are a lot of people that are not living up to their visionary selves because they're like, oh, you know, no one sees it, but no one yeah. has to see it but you. No one has to see it but you. It, it has yeah. to be you. Yes, yes. No it one has to see it but you. Honestly. Yes, you were given the vision for a reason. You were given it for a purpose. Um, yes, you and, and hold on to it and hold on to it please hold on to it y'all now if you had a book list that explained your journey or your life what would that list look like I'm so interested in hearing this great question I don't I don't have the answer to that I've never (laughs) I've never thought about that literally have never like computed that have never even 
Well, what are some books that are like <laughs> your go-tos, the ones that you have to have because yeah. they just, they speak to you? What are those? Yeah. What's that list? Let's do that. <laughs> That's better. That's better. That other question I'm going to sleep on though. And probably when you post this, I'm going to come back and comment because that just sent me spiraling. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my go-to books for sure. Um, I have to say top of my list is probably Alice Walker's in, in search of your, in search of our mother's gardens. Mm. Um, I think that book just hit me at a very pivotal point in my life. I was like in my early twenties and picking up Alice Walker's work. Um, and it being that book in particular that kind of just set my trajectory or like reset my trajectory of my ideas of womanhood, um, preservation, and I guess inadvertently doing the work of like activism in a way. So uh, I think her work was really, really important for me at that time in my life, but I, I revisit it often because I remember how it made me feel at that time. Um, and then another book, I have to go with um, Heavy by Kieste Lehman. Um, I, I recommend that book often to people, one, because of how Kiese writes. He writes in a very like conversation style, but it's so like layered and, impactful I think his work is probably someone's work I reference often and then too like he helped me realize I was a southerner like I knew I was from Memphis and from the south but a southerner was like this whole other spectrum that kind of just opened up in my mind like that he unlocked for me um which really I guess kind of just like changed my chemistry in my brain or something like it was it was crazy I was like oh wow I'm a southerner that's crazy but uh, <laughs> uh, another one I would have to say is um, that one up there, Sula by Toni Morrison is probably one of my favorite works by her. Uh, Toni Morrison, she just has this, I mean, somebody who was writing a tail off. Toni Morrison, I'm, I just, I've been re reading Beloved now recently and I mean her her language her her description like if somebody's gonna paint a picture it's gonna be Toni Morrison is is it's it's like eating it, it feels yes she it's like paint the picture to the T honey yeah every time yeah, yeah Toni Morrison yeah Sula is, is probably one of my favorite uh Toni Morrison and then lastly I have to go with Octavia Butler I can't, I would not be here today if it was not for Octavia Butler. Mm. I think her ability, she is the one who put me on reimagine because her ability to like world build, I mean, literally blew my mind. I was just like, how, how did you create this world or envision this world, create it, write it out so perfectly and so eloquently that I too am in this world with the characters, with, you know, I, it, it, one book that I, I know I threw down multiple times was um, 
her seed to harvest series like I mean from beginning to end I'm just like I cannot believe I'm you know this is too real I have to detach from this because this is too real you've created this entire universe sphere and 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 I love it I, I love her work she too writes beautifully um of, of her characters and the spaces that she creates and develops. Um, and she takes so much from the modern world and, and transposes it into these worlds. And, and I love that, I really do. So those would definitely be my my tops. <laughs> now I have not read all of those, but I have read some from some of those authors. And I think one of the greatest things about being educated by, by Black teachers because my English teacher we um just went over the book of Martha by Octavia Butler Mm. and I'm I really appreciate black education and black teachers because it really allows me to see what could be you know what I mean like I'm literally like first of all Octavia Butler is a great writer but Mm -hmm. the to really read literature from her to read excerpts from her is amazing because mm-hmm. it's like wow like and it's it's, it's such a futuristic way right yeah. so I think a lot of uh, authors especially black authors they're always re they're reimagining what the future could be they're looking at possibility they're looking at where black people could be in 10 years in 20 years yeah. and not right. just now right. and that's that's right. dope and that's a great segue into talking about what's what's next for you what's next for you in the future um I mean once uh once we once we get finished with reconstruction and all that and getting doors opening um I, I think we have a lot of things to look forward to um we definitely are going to be expanding in some things um uh, I'll keep them close to me as of now, but Cafe Noir will definitely, definitely be expanding. Um, and I think just for me personally, it's just doing a lot more writing. I want to get back into writing. I often don't have time to. Uh, I want to get back into writing. I also want to go get my PhD. Um, wow. So I'm, I, I have my eyes set on a few schools, but more specifically Yale I really want to go get my PhD from Yale and um and working on some film there's a currently a film I'm working on now with a friend and then a couple of scripts I've been kind of tinkering with here and there so so those are those are probably my (laughs) my next few goals (laughs) I I swear I am so inspired (laughs) I always say that I, I always say that after every guest but yeah truly, I really I really really mean it now love- where can these people look at Cafe Noir because y'all need to go look at Cafe Noir on Instagram okay yeah. and yeah. also what date could we be looking for an opening of the yeah so shop? we're um we're pushing more toward the fall um only because construction has been taking its time and you know what we're not gonna rush it we're not gonna rush okay. it because <laughs> we want everything to be done perfectly okay exactly so, <laughs> um but definitely follow us at 901 cafe noir that's on instagram that's on facebook that's on twitter um tiktok it is underscore read something uh and i think that's all we're on yeah that's all we're on 
um, and head over to our website, um, cafenoirmemphis.com and sign up for our newsletter. Yay! <laughs> Jasmine settles everyone. I really, really appreciate you coming and, and talking to me and with my No, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. This is <laughs> <been> fun. <laughs>